welcome to the Lead Her Ship podcast with your host, Meredith Franklin. Join me every week as I interview different women who share their stories of success through failure. We will be giving valuable tips on relationships, business, health, mindset, and more to help you lead the life you deserve. I'm so excited you're here. Let's jump in. Welcome, you guys, to the Lead Hership podcast. And today I want to welcome my friend Jocelyn. Thank you so much for being here today to have this open, candid conversation about uh, this heavy topic, racism. This week I learned more that I'm more ignorant than I realize, I'm more privileged than I've acknowledged, and more silent than I agree with. So I started the process of getting educated so I can do better and know better listening so I can do better and contributing so I can begin to be a small part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Change is coming and I'm here for it and I'm here for you. Your lives matter. And that's a quote from my friend CG. And it really resonated with me. For those of you guys who have no idea what I'm talking about or referring to, on May 25th, a man named George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis by a cop and it was videotaped by some bystanders. And I didn't want to see the video. I kind of just heard it through the grapevine, refused to see the video because I get really nauseous and I heard enough to know where I stood, but I was really encouraged by my girlfriend, Jennifer, to watch the whole video. Mm -hmm. So last night I made the decision to see this video and what I witnessed was absolutely horrific and grotesque. Something like I honestly never thought I'd see And we know more now that these things are being videotaped. Like just recently, Ahmad, I think his name is, was murdered just because he was jogging because of the color of his skin. And so it is happening. And yeah, I watched the entire video and it's worse than you think. I cried, I yelled profanities and there's nothing easy about watching it, but it's necessary. So I'm speaking to my white friends. You have to see the full video to honestly really grasp why we're so loud about it and speaking out about this. And it is sad because this has happened time and time and time and time and time again. And when is it going to be enough? So my girlfriend, Jocelyn, and I have actually been having this conversation since this happened. She is now speaking out about this and I figured why not? interview her why not have her share her story her truth and what she's even going through through all of this so that we can do better better as women better as parents better with our children i truly believe that if just one person speaks out because one person did speak out and i saw that and it's changed my life and i know if i speak out we speak out it's going to transcend and change more lives maybe even generations and we have to stand for justice so Jocelyn, thank you for being here. And I would just like to know, why are you speaking out more now? Let's take us back to the beginning because you are a beautiful black woman. First of all, thank you for having me. I honestly commend you for watching the video of George Floyd. And I think more people need to because it really will just bring awareness. I personally could not. I just feel as though I have seen I've just seen too many. I've seen too much. And it was just the last straw. I think with having Ahmad and then the issue with Mr. Cooper in the park and then just following right after. And so it just felt too much for me. 
So I guess a little backstory. I am a biracial woman. My mom is white. She's French and Norwegian. And my dad is a mix of African-American. And my parents divorced when I was very young. So I grew up with my mom, who was a single mom, along with my sister. And we grew up alongside of her family. So all white in a very white town of California. And California is very diverse. However, our small town is not. It's definitely a little more now, but at the time when I was growing up, it was not. So yeah, I grew up with my mom and my mom's family and had a great childhood. I mean, I don't think I really missed out on much, but I did miss out on black culture and not at the expense of my mom. She definitely did her best. But again, my parents were divorced and my dad's family lived back east and there just wasn't much at that time when I was growing up. So for me, I went to a private Christian school. And then um, after leaving my private school, I went to a public school and it was a little more diverse, but my graduating class had over a thousand kids. And I think maybe there were six of us. So I really didn't grow up with a lot of other black students. And, you know, I think at the time I didn't really realize what racism was because I didn't experience it on a level that maybe I would have in a big city, but I did experience it in different subtle ways that I can look back now and think like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that was totally racist (laughs) or You know, that was a a racist experience that I just didn't understand. And for example, learning about the Jim Crow era. Everyone learns about it in school. I was the only black student in the classroom and the teacher repeatedly would ask me questions, would ask me how I felt. She would always call on me and I felt so singled out. <laughs> I didn't know. What do you mean? What did I think about racism? Like, I don't know. I've never experienced racism. I live in AG. All my friends are white. I didn't have much to give, but yet everyone in the classroom was looking to me to give examples. So, you know, I mean, like that stuff I can look back now and be like, well, gosh, I was really singled out. And that's a form of racism. I remember walking across my high school quad. We had a quad, like a big black top. And again, we were all learning about the Jim Crow era and I had someone walking behind me. I still remember his name. And he said, if I had a nickel for every black person I drug behind my truck, I would be the richest person in the world. And it like hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't do anything to provoke this person. I wasn't even friends with this person. Totally different, like groups in high school, but like no reason for him to make that comment. And it stuck with me and it stuck with me to this day. And I've experienced many other things. And I think for me, I've been quiet for so long because I felt like growing up in AG, I didn't have a voice to be able to articulate racism. And that's wrong. That's a wrong thought process because I have experienced it. Maybe, like I said, not in the same way as someone in a city or someone who's completely black and not biracial, but I have experienced it. And my voice is just as powerful as anyone else. And I need to bring awareness to the injustices that are happening to the black community. Yeah. When you told me that about that kid, I immediately was like, what did he hear at home? Clearly something at home that he's seeing or hearing it's coming out. And so I know you and I are both moms and I'm like, I want to do better. And something else that you and I talked about, we'll get into the parenting thing in a minute, but you know how we grew up 
and I was telling you, you know, like now it's coming out more like why I did this, but the way that you grow up is like, it really shapes who you are. And so Mm -hmm. I grew up, my best friend across the street had cousins who were adopted and they were black. And so I was really little growing up with them. So every baby doll that I wanted was a black baby doll. My bitty baby from American Girl, my cabbage patch, all of those things. I thought that was so much more beautiful than my white, pasty, freckly skin. And I wanted so badly to give my children beautiful skin that didn't have freckles. But there were other mothers in the community who would ask why your daughter's bringing these babies to her house. Why are they colored? And my mom asked me, cause she, my mom's were just free spirits. And she was just like, what do you think? And I was like, well, I'm going to have, this is the color of my baby. It's going to be this color. And she said, why do you think that? And I was like, because God just gives you whatever. It's a surprise. <laughs> and I just so wish that that was because, but God made, this is something I heard on elevation sermon today is that he said, God made diversity because it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And like, anyways, so you shared with me your mindset and what kind of baby dolls you had. Yeah. Yeah. So I had white baby dolls. I had one black cabbage patch. It was a preemie cabbage patch. I don't know if you remember those. Anyways, it was a preemie cabbage patch. (laughs) And then I had a few Barbie dolls that were black that were actually probably bought from my dad. I don't think I would ever have picked out a black Barbie. I think actually remember, and I'd have to ask my mom, but I feel like I remember something about him being upset that I didn't have any black Barbies, but I didn't want black Barbies. I didn't want black dolls because to me, that was just not what society said was desirable. And, you know, I want to point something out and we can totally get into this a little further, but it's like, you know, you mentioned with your kids and like you kids growing up, not seeing color and this and that and other, but they are listening and they are watching. And for that kid who made that comment at me, maybe it wasn't from his home, but if parents are not, so I I wrote this down. You might not be teaching your child to be racist, but if you aren't speaking up against it to them, then they will learn it from somewhere. Society, friends, who are they going to learn it from if not you? And so, you know, I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm not racist or my parents aren't racist. Okay, but where does this come from then? Like, where are they learning it from? And it's, it's a very real thing. And I don't think people like intentionally do it, but subliminally, like society tells us a very paints a very different picture of the black culture. Well, and like more recently, my brother and I've been talking about this and she's like, why are people just now standing up? Like white Mm -hmm. people, why are white people now speaking out? And I was like, why haven't you before? And I was like, well, honestly, for fear of like, who's this white girl coming in saying, oh, let me stand up for you. I don't want to like be inconsiderate. I don't want to be ignorant. Like that is truly why I'm so thankful for you in my life to have this open conversation to say, Hey, I'm like nervous to even ask certain things because it's like the conversation has to happen and we are adults and we should have these like questions and conversations and bring it up so that you can squash whatever it is. And you said that you were even having this conversation with your husband. Yeah, my husband, same thing, grew up in this small town and I kind of, he means well, right? Like he has such a good heart. And if you know my husband, he's phenomenal and he loves everyone and he's totally to give the shirt off his back for anyone. But I think he just didn't understand. And so we had this really in-depth conversation 
one night just about, I mean, recently after everything happened and we were just really going into it and I'm very expressive and I come from a very loud family. My grandma had 10 kids. So my mom is one of 10 and everyone lives together, like lives in the same area. We all get together. Our Christmases were like 40 plus people. We are a loud family. Okay. Like I just grew up being loud. That's just how my family is. And he made a comment and said, well, your family, your mom's family is, I mean, you grew up kind of like being in a black family because your mom's family is loud. And I was like, babe, that's it. Like that is exactly what you cannot say. Like, you cannot assume that all black families are loud. Like that's, you can't say that. And so we really dug in deep and it was as if his mind and his eyes and ears and everything just like opened for the first time. And he really has been a lot more vocal. And I think he brought up a good point. My voice is not as strong as his voice on this matter, which blows my mind, but it's true. His voice, his voice, white person voice is stronger than mine right now. We need more people like yourself, Mayor, to be speaking up on our behalf because our voice, it doesn't matter at this point. It hasn't mattered actually for a long time. And so when more people like you are speaking up on our behalf and saying like, look, this is wrong. This is not okay. This is what's going to help make us move forward because your voice does matter. And so when people decide like, well, I don't want to speak up because I'm not really sure. Or I'm just a white person. I'm just a white girl. Like I don't, it's not going to mean anything, but it does mean something. And I think like that people need to have that mindset. They have to speak up now more than ever. Now is the time to speak up. We can't stay silent. Yeah. Um, Pastor Stephen Furtick was interviewing Oh, I'm going to get his name wrong. John Gray. Thank you. And he said that silence is an agreement. This Mm -hmm. is about race. It's about justice. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be loud because a lot of people saying few people I've talked to have said, I'm just not going to say anything because then I'm choosing sides. And I'm just going to bring this up right now. Honest. We have family members who are cops. We have friends who are cops. Yeah. This it's not choosing sides but it is about what is being done and what John Gray said. And honestly, the way he said it, I was like sick to my stomach. He said, if that cop or if John Gray did this to a dog, yes, on a dog's neck, you better believe what would have happened to him. Like you're away for life. You're in jail for like prison life. And what I am just now seeing I honestly, like this sounds so stupid and I sound so ignorant and I, it's just real right now. Like I've seen more videos now, more things coming out now than I ever have in my entire life. I never knew I was privileged. Hmm. I literally just found out this week that I'm privileged because I watched this video of these black parents talking to their black children saying, Hey, if you come across a cop, this is how you, da, 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 da. If you've not seen it, please go watch it. Holy moly. I bawling, just bawling the whole time because I've never thought in my entire life would I ever have to have a conversation like that with my kids because I won't. Right. I will not. And I've never been given that conversation. Yeah. 
So the fact that you, do you have any stories? Tell me, enlighten me on any of your stories. Has anyone followed you in a store? Like, tell me anything that's happened for you. Yeah. First, I almost started crying when you brought up the comment about John Gray and about, I mean, people are would be more enraged about a man kneeling on a dog's neck than they are about a man kneeling on a black man's neck. And that right there, and anyone who's listening to this, like, we're not, like, anti, like, please don't, like, say anything to... PETA, like we're not saying anything like that, but I am saying if you are more outraged, if you watch the video of the woman in Central Park with Mr. Cooper and you were more outraged about her dog on the damn leash and like the way she like grabbed the dog's neck than you were with the phone call she was making, you are part of the problem. And I do not, I don't mean to get on my soapbox, but if you are more, if you would be more upset with a dog being treated that way than you are with this man, that's a problem. This is a human being. And yes, animals have rights, and that is not what we are saying by any means. But this is a human being we are talking about. And it, it seriously, like, it makes me feel sick. And that's so spot on. And also, like, just so we are clear, I have a very good friend who's a police officer. He's a sheriff. And I messaged him, and I've been in talks with him, and I told him like, hey, I just want you to know, like my posts are not anti-authority, not anti-law enforcement. It's about injustice towards the black community. And I love and respect you. And I want you to know that. And so he very much like, he understands and we had a conversation and it breaks his heart. Like he is sick to his stomach over this just as much as I am. And he said, you know, I became a cop because I wanted to change the world. And it makes me sad that this is where we're still at. So just so we are clear, I am not anti-authority. I am not anti-law enforcement. I absolutely 100% support police officers and everyone, especially that have to go and put their lives on the line. White, black men, women, everyone. But that being said, there are injustices that need to be talked about. And I have experienced being followed around a store multiple times, more than I can count on my two hands. And I mean, I walked out of a store with a friend who was white and the store owner stopped me and asked to look in my purse and didn't say anything to my white friend. I've had someone step onto an elevator and see I was on the elevator and then step back off. I mean, I can only assume there was no, there was no one else in the elevator. I've been, and this is something that I actually, I wrote in my blog, and it's a story about how I was waiting at airport terminal, and I had a layover, and I went to a bookstore, you know, those little bookstores, just to kind of browse, and I was reading, and it was Nicholas Sparks, he had just come out with a new book, I love Nicholas Sparks, so I was, picked it up, and I was just kind of flipping through it, and a, the lady working came up to me and asked me if I was going to buy the book. And I said, no, that I was just looking at it. And she said that I needed to buy the book or I needed to put the book down. And I looked around and there were tons of people reading magazines, books, just browsing. And I looked around and I said to, I literally said, I was like, are you kidding? And this time she like raised her voice at me. She was like, either you buy the book or you put it down. And at this point, when she raised her voice, a guy that was standing off to, my right like looked over at me and I looked at her and I said, but everyone else can be reading that everyone else doesn't have to. And like I, you know, along those lines and she just looked at me and I said, so I have to put my book down. 
and she had the most attitude. Her coworker was standing behind her now, and she was like, yes. And at this point, more people are looking because now they kind of see there's kind of something going on. And I was shaking, Meredith. I was so, like, everything in me, I wanted to scream at her. I wanted to throw the book down. I wanted to let her know that I was a spa director and I make lots of money, probably more than her. Like, I wanted to just, like, ugh. But instead, I put the book down and I walked out of the store. And not one other person was asked to leave the store. Not one other person left the store. And I just was... It just, it just hurt. And you know, that's like something, I mean, that's white privilege. If I was white, I would have been able to read that book, no problem. And just so we're clear, I know that kind of like brings word, like worries, or it's like a weird word for people, but white privilege does not mean that you haven't struggled. It just means that you have not struggled because of the color of your skin. So I know there's lots of people who are white that have struggled and have hardships, but it's not been based off of their skin color. Right. And like, you know, I'm a spicy person. (laughs) And if that, if someone would have said something like that to me, and especially if I was black and I would have used my spiciness, I would have been arrested. But like, if I was white doing that, where was I that I went off on somebody? Cause this has happened, but it was like, I got to remember where I was, but I went off on somebody. Nobody did anything. I just like went off and then I was able to leave, but I guarantee somebody of color would have had other yeah. issues. And that is the thing that I think I have really not known. Mm-hmm. Like my girlfriend posted today, and I literally was like, you've got to be kidding me. There was a prom in 2014 in the South. Now this is the South. So I don't know if this is right. over on the West, but you know, I doubt it. I don't think this would happen on the West Coast, but in the South, 2014, a white prom and a black prom. I remember hearing about this. What is that? And they said, she was telling me, she's like, and what happened was the white kids went to their prom and then they left because the black prom was way more fun. So it was like the parents put it together, but like the white kids are like, let me go be with my friends. Mm -hmm. Like these chills. So I cannot even, it makes my blood boil to a point. (laughs) Yeah. And so I guess it's like, like ignorance. I had no idea that was happening. That was, was that not in the news? Did I not get that news? Like, right? you know, it's just things that I just don't know. So I want to be educated on this. I want to know these stories. You know, there, someone posted that, this photo of this beautiful black boy said, you think I'm cute now? Mm. What about when I'm older, I'm scary? And like that, like, how can somebody's color make them just- yeah. So that is really hard for me because my son, I just had a baby boy, not just, and he's almost 10 months old now, but I had a baby boy. And when all of this, this more recent stuff started happening, I, well, and let me preface, my son is like whiter than white. Like he's probably the same color as you, Meredith. Like he's so white and he's got blonde hair, like reddish blonde hair and green eyes. And I, it's so bizarre to me, but jeans are a funny thing. And obviously my husband's white. So apparently he got his jeans and all of my white jeans. So anyways, so my son is very light skinned and In that moment, when all of this stuff was happening, I was sitting outside and I was 
that my son was taking a nap and I was just like watching all this stuff on social media and I had the thought like I think my son's gonna be light skinned enough to be assumed as white and not black and he's never gonna have to deal with that and in that moment like after I thought that thought I felt so guilty just like this weight of like shame kind of came over me but it is something that as a mom of a child of color especially a boy you know you are fearful like yes little black babies are so cute and people always say all the time oh I want a little black baby and oh your little black baby's so cute but although he's gonna turn into a man and then are you still gonna think he's that same cute little kid and or are you gonna look at him and think he's scary are you gonna grab your purse as he walks by you are you gonna hold your child's hand as or grab their hand as he walks by you and I it's unfortunate, but that is what happens to those cute little baby boys, those little black babies that everyone just thinks are so cute. They grow up to be men, men that a majority of people are fearful of. And it's wrong and it's sad and it breaks my heart. Yeah. And we need to stop that. And the conversation I was having with you because you have four children who are all white, like as my kids. <laughs> and so the conversation you were telling me, cause I was like, how are you bringing this up with them? How are you talking about it? And I, no joke, like, and I've told you this on mother's day, we watched the help. I freaking love that movie. I, there's something about it. I'm like, my kids need to see this. I just felt it in my gut. I'm like, we need to see this movie. And then it brought up great conversation and kids are so innocent. <laughs> my daughter just like, we're all laying on the couch crying. And she's like, I'm just confused. Cause they have, biracial friends they have black friends you know whatever all the different races and so they she's just like i don't understand like how could that girl hilly be so mean mm -hmm. and so just like that conversation well then now this happens and she hears you're hurting she hears her friends are hurting and she's like but why so there's just the questions of why so how are you talking with your kids obviously declan's way too small but how's that kind of going and or do they know anything yet yeah, so the three older kids are my my bonus babes. So I have the privilege of helping raise them. And Sheldon and I first started dating, and maybe even after we got married, the conversation of why I was dark came up quite a bit. You know, why are you darker than daddy? And, you know, why is your skin different than daddy? And so we started that conversation and Year, I mean, when they were young, when I started dating their dad, I think the youngest of the three step um, kids was two and a half, and she's almost six now. So, I mean, we started those conversations really at a young age for them, and just really explaining to them how God has made us all different, and God created us all um, to have different skin colors and tones and hair and all kinds of different things, because it's going to make us all unique and how it's for his purpose and we all have a specific plan and how Micah is the oldest he's got more olive skin and so we say you know you look more like your mom's dad because he's got dark and so we've really just been able to talk about just skin color and how it doesn't make you any different and how we don't treat people differently based off of how they look that we get to know them on the inside and just really how God has 
created us on his image and we're called to love one another. So I think for us, it's been very organic because they did start asking at a young age why I look different than their dad or why I look different than their mom. And um, so we were able to bring that into our conversation around the dinner table. And so I would definitely encourage anyone, like it's super important. I mean, my kids are growing up with me and being a different skin color and my sisters so that are going to be around people who look different than them. And I would encourage you, anyone, to allow that conversation to happen organically. And they do bring it up. Don't shy away from it. It's important to see color and it's important to acknowledge the beauty of different colors of skin. Yeah, I so agree with that. And I know that Pastor John Gray said like, and hurtful when people say, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, wow. Cause I said, I see red, you know, I see blood, but no, recognize my color. Yeah. And that's how God made me. That's how God made you. That's how God made you. Like we're all individual people. Yeah. And all I want is equality. Don't treat me differently. That's all I want. And I was like, okay, thank you. Educate me because uh, Jess Todrick, she follow her on Instagram if you want. Jess Todrick is also interracial marriage and then biracial as well, has a white mom, black dad. And she follow her on Instagram. She posts great stuff and she just wants to help educate. But she said that the best movie to show her little kids was the movie Wonder. She said that that movie moved them like to a place of conversation. Hey, he looks different. How are you going to treat him? Like it's on the inside. So that even though it wasn't like a black, white versus movie, it was about looking differently. Um, when I was really young, I watched an episode of Punky Brewster, like love that. And there was a deaf girl who was there and she was so mad at Punky for treating her differently. She's like, I'm just one of you, stop. And so I was like, okay, this is not like, not like with race, but just seeing all people mm-hmm. and treating them equally. And that's really what we're asking. And I wanted to ask you a specific question. Okay. I wanted to address the rioting and I wanted to address when people say conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. So like, let's kind of just go there right? that we just need to go there. Yeah. Let's go there. I am totally all about a good conspiracy theory. I mean, I get it, right? I totally get it. But you're diminishing someone else's feelings, you know? And it's it's interesting because I was talking about how sometimes something, every time something happens, conspiracy theories come out of it, right? And, you know, a 9-11 conspiracy theory, right? Okay, I ran with that one. But then I think about what about the people whose husbands died in that? And here we're all we want to talk about is this conspiracy theory. You are diminishing from these people who lost their lives. And that's kind of like the same thing. Like all you want to talk about is how it was a paid actor and people are setting bricks on the side of the road so people can throw them during riot. And you are taking away from the actual issue, which is the way that black, yes, the way that black people are being treated. And, and I think that that's, it's wrong. It's wrong because now you're saying, I love you. I care for you. I stand for you, but this is the conspiracy theory. You're being blinded by the media. I am not being blinded by the media. My experiences have nothing to do with the media. I am going off of my experiences. So it is very difficult for me when I have someone tell me that I'm being blinded by media. And do 
I know that media has a big part in this, but I think also people need to remember that we have access to media on our phones. Like you can go live now and there was something happening in Santa Maria. And I think the guy had like a million viewers, like a million viewers for Santa Maria. Like you have access to it at your fingertips now. So it is very difficult for me when someone wants to bring it back to conspiracy theory because it really is diminishing actual facts, like things that I have been through. And so that that is hard. Well, I just wanted to say it's disregarding the injustice that has been done and the pain that you feel. Yeah. So I'm not saying conspiracy theories aren't real, whatever, whatever. Okay, stop. Because that's not what we're even talking about. We're talking about having a black man, black people being treated differently and having to raise their children differently. And it's the, we're disregarding the injustice and the pain. And so that is why we're saying to have these conversations, to ask them what they've walked through. People are upset. And I know I said this to you after I watched that dang video, I was like, I want to go off. Like I want to riot. I want to freaking break something because I was like, and I am not saying it's right. I'm saying that's what was inside of me. It was like this, like, I just wanted to get it out and like say, that's not right. Like, let go of the man. Like mm-hmm. I would be freaking tased and put in the back of a car. I probably wouldn't have been killed. <laughs> no, I, wouldn't have been killed. I would not have been shot. You better believe I'd probably be tased or maced, but whatever. But like, so I felt, I felt it watching everything. And that's why I'm saying white people watch the dang video, watch the other videos if they're out there, because I understand Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's right. I don't think you should be like hurting people. I really don't think you need to eye for an eye. I do not think you need to be hurting people or hurt your own property. Yeah, no. And I definitely agree with that. I think I absolutely do not agree with the looting and the rioting. Like it literally breaks my heart. I saw stuff going on down in La Mesa, like San Diego area. I mean, I lived in San Diego. I saw people breaking into our local mall. Like that, none of that is right because it is taking away from the issue and it kind of brings me back though and I think I share this with you Mary is like you as a parent you, you tell your kid hey don't do that you don't do that you don't do that you don't do that and then you lose it and then they stop and they look at you and they're like shocked and you're like oh my god I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't want to yell at you like I didn't want to yell at you but you weren't listening. It wasn't working. I was telling you to stop and I was telling you to stop and you didn't stop. So you took me to the edge. And, and that is really kind of how people are feeling. And, you know, I think a lot, a majority of the protests are peaceful protests. Um, I think just like with anything, you're going to have people that come in and want to cause a ruckus to just cause a ruckus. And it's unfortunate. But for those people, I know like the first few nights in Minneapolis, there was rioting and looting. And I think a lot of it was, they were just upset. And I know I have acted out being so hurt and so angry and so upset that I've done something that I knew was wrong and that I shouldn't do it. But I just had all of this emotion and it just came out in the wrong way. And I think that's kind of, kind of what that is. And, you know, I've said to a lot of people on social media, people say they need to protest, right? Okay, well, what's that look like? So first of all, they didn't want the looting. And then, you know, now people are walking in the streets or they're sitting in the streets and people are like, well, they shouldn't do that either. Okay, so then how should they protest? Because what a protest is, is disrupting of people's everyday lives to bring awareness to an issue, you know? And that's exactly 
looting and rioting aside, walking in the streets carrying signs or sitting on a street carrying signs, that is peacefully protesting. And I think that the reason why the looting happened was just because I said they just have reached like the culmination of just not being able to contain their emotions and it just kind of came out that way. But again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that this is something that has happened over generations. Like this is not a new thing. Rioting and looting is not a new thing. This has happened tons of times. Right. And I, I actually commend the police officers who can like in a state uh, that's calm enough who can kneel. Yes. And that I, that I've seen so many police officers being prayed over or praying for them. Like, I mean, there is good in this world and hold on to that and be that silent, not silent protester, but the protester who's not going to hurt property. Yeah. Like I have good friends in La Mesa whose business was absolutely destroyed and it's, it's so awful. And we're pretty sure they're not from La Mesa. So I wanted to read this quote from Martin Luther King because this is about rioting. And it says, I think America must see that the riots do not develop out of thin air. In the final analysis, the riot is the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? King questions. In a sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our winter's delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we will stand in the position of having these occurrences of riots and violence over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. So as long as, and that's all we're all asking for is justice and equality, then we won't have these riots. So it's like, hello. And then another thing just for the people, because I saw it again, unfortunately, on our social media. And that's why it's a really great time if you need to step away, if you're having a problem with social media and seeing this. And I think right now we're doing the blackout. And with that, share experiences from Black men and women and children and all of those things. That's what needs to be shared right now. I don't really think that like my white opinion really matters. It's like, let's share the stories that need to be shared. But I know a lot of people are saying all lives matter. And I feel like, well, no shit. I'm sorry, but like for real, sorry, children, if you're listening, but here's what my girlfriend wrote. And I wanted to just read it because it's like, this is what we're trying to say. Let's get it through your head. We know that cops lives matter. We know that all these, duh, we're all children of God, but Jesus in Luke 15, a hundred sheep go missing, a hundred sheep, but one goes missing. Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one, the 99 say, but what about us? Don't we matter? Jesus, of course, the 99 still matter, but they're not the ones in danger. The one is. So right now, if we're like, Hey, all lives matter. Shut up. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm like, so rude. No, it's true. Like, It's really real because our brothers and sisters are being hurt and not heard. So it's our job to stand up and speak out on their behalf of what they are trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important. I think, you know, um, obviously all lives matter. Like if you have any human decency, you understand that. However, all lives are not at stake right now. And I think that couldn't have been said any better. I think that that's a perfect way. And, you know, also someone else said it's like October is breast cancer awareness month, right? So we support that and people wear pink and we talk about it, but you don't hear people saying, well, what about all the other breast cancer? Or what about all the other cancers? Like, da, 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 da. well, yes, they obviously all matter, but 
this month, this, we are bringing awareness to this specific. And I think like, that's what it means is we are not taking away from anyone else's lives. We just want our lives to matter. We want to bring awareness that we are not being treated fair. We are not being treated equal. We are not being treated as human. And that needs to change. And, and you can't have all lives matter without Black lives mattering. So let's bring awareness to a very serious issue at hand and understand that it doesn't negate anything else. It just says, this is an issue that needs attention brought to it. And it doesn't mean that you don't care about all lives. So I think that that's like something that's super important. And when people say that, they need to understand that it really is discrediting your black brother or sister because you are saying, yeah, yeah, your life matters, but like all lives, but like all. And it's like, no, it's my life right now, (laughs) you know? Like actually my house is the one on fire. So please. Yes, that's right. It's like, hello. Like I just, I don't know. And so if you guys are upset by anything that we said, that's okay. I'm okay with it. I'm truly okay with it because this is, we are standing in the gap for injustice and we want to do better and see better in our children and our children's children. Because honestly, truly, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed that I didn't even know that a lot of this stuff was still going on. Where have I, I'm under a rock, clearly. And I wanted to share, and if you can share, um, any resources, any books that you know of, any organizations that people can give to, we want to share those things. So if you have any, I'm going to get mine out too. If you have any, please share. You know, also, I just want to say, if you are offended by anything that's being said, I would really encourage you to check your heart. Because usually when you're getting offended, it's because something's resonating deep inside of you. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It might just be something that you need to work through. And so I would encourage you to reach out to someone that you know that is a person of color. I would be more than happy to have open dialogue with anyone who listens to this podcast. I would welcome it. And what I mean by open dialogue is that you are willing to have a conversation about your feelings and you are willing to to learn. If I say something that doesn't feel right, that you know that I'm coming from a different perspective. And so I think that that's really important. But yes, some books you guys should definitely look into getting. Um, The first one would be Be the Bridge. And you actually can go to that website and it's a Christian-based book. And I'm actually going to be doing a Facebook reading group with some friends. We're going to be reading that group. And another one is The Third Option by Miles McPherson. He's an incredible advocate for um, racial injustice. He's a pastor down in San Diego at the Rock Church. I went there. It was an awesome church. So I would definitely recommend those two books would be a great place to start. And then for your children, Meryl, hand it over to you because I'm going to pull up the book that I bought for my kids real quick. Okay. This is one book that I saw. I have not yet bought or read, but it's called A Kid's Book About Racism by Jelini Memory. You can go to Ojoy website and it's just how to talk to your kids about it. So that's a good one. So we have that and I read it and it's very, it's like a kid's book, like a little kid's book. So it's good. Uh, like what age would you say? Probably I would say about my kid's age. So my kids are five to nine right now. And, and maybe even for my oldest, it would be kind of and for him, but it's a great book for anyone who has younger kids. You also told me to watch 13th on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. 
if you have not seen it, I would highly recommend watching that documentary. So that's a great documentary. And another movie that's really good that I'm, I haven't seen it for a really long time. So don't like fully take everything. I, I'm, we're going to watch it. I'm going to watch it tonight with my husband, but it's called Crash. And it was, if I remember correctly, it won a lot of Oscars, a lot of awards during the Oscars. And it's very good and it does touch on racial prejudices. So that's also a really good movie to watch. We bought a book. It hasn't come in yet. So just bear with me on that. It's called Race Cars and it's a children's book about white privilege. So I have, you know, the older two boys and I bought that book and it hasn't come yet, but I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's good. It got a lot of great reviews. And then, yeah, so those are some options for you to like really start diving in. And I would highly encourage um, educating yourself and learning as much as you can. I mean, even just history back to the civil rights. I mean, just start digging into the history of the black community and the black people to learn and absorb as much as you can. Yeah, and I just today started following this account called Push Black, Mm. and they literally post, like, unfortunately, and I saw this, and it's just sickening, but they killed the woman who was saving lives, and it is Brianna. Um, They just walked into her home, didn't even knock, shot her while she was sleeping. Oops, wrong lady, left, and the boyfriend had to call 911, and then he was convict well they tried to charge him with murder but yeah so I mean that shows so many like I mean back it's it's a really good Instagram to follow and then also 1619 podcast code switch the diversity gap there's a ton I'll post them on my Instagram you guys can see so it says for Netflix 13th see you yesterday and then when they see us and then Hulu the hate you give there's a few that are in our queue. I'm not, I'm going to watch them first before my children can see them, but even just the help and like, remember the Titans was great conversation. Yeah. We definitely watched, um, remember the Titans with our kids and had a great conversation about that and just how, you know, blending the two communities. And if you've never seen it, you should watch it. But there's the one scene where they have coach's daughter is at coach Boone's house and they throw the brick through the window and we had a really big conversation about why someone would do that. And, you know, they called him Coach Coon and what that kind of meant. And so it was really interesting for me to have that conversation with the kids and for them to see it and then just like be able to articulate what they felt about it. And of course, they felt sad. And why would anyone do that? So those are really good movies that have like a great dialogue starter to do with kids. Right. And to kill a mockingbird, it's old, but. I mean, I remember that like shaping me and helping me, um, as a child. So the To Kill a Mockingbird's a great, like we call it classic movie night, bring that in. Um, what I really want and hope from this, I had this awesome conversation with my girlfriend, Natalie, and she was saying, you know, don't like block people like who don't agree with you. Let's start the dialogue and get to know where their heart is coming from what their experiences are. And honestly, truly, like I've learned so much from her just in the sense that she's so traveled. And so she has experienced all different, I mean, she's white, so, but she has experienced all different cultures. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if we are very sheltered and in our own little bubble, we don't know, or you don't know what you don't know. 
Right. You're just more well-traveled and well, you just get immersed into the culture. And so I want to like recommend guys travel with your kids and go to different countries and experience the culture and learn and listen. I went to South Africa and oh my gosh, my eyes were wide open. The racism there is like, it's intense. It's intense right. and it's sad. And I, I, I it, it's very, it's, you can like see it. It's yeah. very uncomfortable. And so, yeah, but having conversations and getting to know them and why they do what they do. And so I just recommend having these, they are uncomfortable. And I'm so thankful for you, Jocelyn, that you are open to listening and answering my ignorant questions and allowing me to fumble through conversation to understand better. I was going to say something else really quickly. I was on an airplane with a woman flying back from Philadelphia and she was clearly upset I was seated right next to her and I was like, ooh, do I talk to her or not? And she was a black woman and her husband was sitting in front, a black man sitting in front of her. I think he was happy he wasn't sitting with her. I don't know. But because she was crying, I didn't really want to get in the middle of it. But God really was like, you need to ask her what's up. So I just said, hey, are you okay? And she turned to me and was like, kind of like, didn't really want to talk to me. Maybe for my skin color. I don't know. I'm not going to assume. And I finally, I just was like, are you okay? You know, what happened? And she went on to tell me that she basically was a victim of someone in a restaurant. He was disabled. So a white disabled boy ripped her hair, locked onto her hair and pulled her all the way down. She was just sitting, having dinner and white people all around waiters and things like that. And he was locked on. And she's screaming and her husband's trying to help and he wouldn't let go. And they're trying to get him off her and they're apologizing. So she's like, he finally let go. Nobody, nobody helped. Everybody watched. And all I did, you guys, if I can encourage you to just do this, I I mean, I just like, Lord lead me. Right. Mm -hmm. All I did was listen. And I cried with her and I said, that's not okay. That's not okay. I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I just said, how can I pray for you? Please, may I pray for you? Can I pray for this, the hate to leave? Cause she's so mad. And I was like, can we find out a way to forgive what just happened? And I'm not, I'm like, not going to take away her pain. Yeah. Because I'm not like that happened. That's not okay. Right. And I just stood in the gap and just said, can I pray for you? And she wept and she was like, thank you for seeing me and for praying for me. This was a divine appointment from the Lord. And I needed that. And it was like, she was able to release this, whatever this pain. And so it was amazing and I'm not perfect, but I just saw something and I was wrong. It was not right. Listened. Right. And then said, okay, how can I, let's pray about this. Let's give it to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that you're saying is you listened. And I think that that right there is, I think that's, Like if I were to break down what I want more than anything right now is I want to be heard. I want people to listen. I want people to, to, you know, you're not necessarily going to understand and and that's okay. Like you don't have to understand, but I want you to listen and I want you to empathize and I want you to stand with me. And so I think that you with that woman, that's really what she needed. She needed someone to hear her story without judgment. I'm writing all my stuff in this blog to post tonight and I'm reading over it. And I, it's like, I don't know if I hadn't experienced it, if I would believe me. Cause some of this stuff, I mean, 
at the bookstore, what I was said, walking across the quad, having boys not literally tell me they can't date me because I'm black. Like, I don't know if I hadn't experienced it, if I wouldn't actually believe it. And so I think just knowing that just because you've never personally experienced something like that doesn't mean that it's not happening all the time. And just to be able to listen and, and hear someone's heart and, and just tell them that you respect them and that you care for them. And I think that that's really all anyone can do right now. And one movie I just totally remembered, it's called The Color of Friendship and it came out in 2000 and it is on Disney Plus right now. So if you have Disney Plus, you can stream it there for free. But it's a, just real quick, I'll give you the backstory. It is a two girls, one is from the United States and the other is from the apartheid South Africa and they learn about tolerance and friendship. So I would really encourage people to watch that movie because it really will kind of shine light on racism too as well. And obviously you mentioned South Africa, so I've kind of talked about that a little bit as well. Yeah, so good. And I appreciate you telling us what you want from us, I think is really important right now. So you said, like, I mean, do you appreciate when your white friends or any friends text you and say, are you okay? Do you recommend that we do that? Oh, absolutely. I think it's super important because, you know, I mean, the other day I messaged you and I was like, I just need, I just need to talk. I just need to talk it out. And I think sometimes if there's not already that open communication of, Hey, I'm here for you, whatever you need, it doesn't feel like there's a freedom to talk about your struggles. And so if you do know someone who's a person of color, if they're your friend, if they're your family, I would encourage you just shoot them a message and maybe all they'll say is thanks. Um, but you opened up the opportunity to have a dialogue and maybe down the road they'll message you or maybe they won't, but they know that that is a safe place for them. And I think that that's what's important is for us to feel like we have a safe place to talk about how we feel. Yeah, that's so good. And I saw on Instagram and I do not know the lady's name. I apologize, but she was talking about how, what we can do to be better is let's just say you're at Thanksgiving or at someone's house or even your children, they are saying things like doing accents of different races or talking and being racist. Mm -hmm. If you're not speaking up, you're a part of the problem. So either say something and remove yourself, remove your children. I've actually done that a few times. Yeah. Being at certain places. And I'm like, we will not be a part of this. Speak up so that maybe they don't even see it, but so that they see, okay, that's not right. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally smiling because I literally had this conversation with my husband where something happened. We were somewhere, a comment was made about South getting it right and waving my Confederate flag. And I just had to get up and walk away. And then I proceeded to tell my husband later that night that that is not a situation I will ever be putting myself in again. And that my husband's very lucky I didn't go off. And the reason I didn't go off is because I didn't want the comment of, oh, there she goes. She's acting black because I'm upset. And that's what happens. And so, yeah, I think that that's super important that especially if someone who is a person of color is with you speak up. Please don't make that person feel uncomfortable or make that person feel like they, you know, are going to leave or don't want to ever be in that situation again. I would encourage you to, to say, let's not talk like that, or that's not very nice, or 
I mean, you can really even go for it and say, what? <laughs> just really just dig in. But speak up because that is what's going to help us move forward. Because our children are listening. Our children are watching. So yeah. if you make a point to leave and remove yourself, then there's another conversation that can be had. So um, I, that, that silence is not okay. Cause you're actually a part of the problem. So anything else you want to share, want us to know before we go, just anything else. So just, I want to thank you because I think we need to have conversations like this. And I don't think this will be the last conversation that you have, um, on this podcast. And I think that that's super important. Um, and again, you know, I, I said earlier, if anyone wants to talk. I, I know Meredith is here, but if you're needing a perspective of someone of color, I'd be more than happy to um, talk to you as well. And I know that majority of people are not racist and that makes my heart happy. But I do believe that we are really at the cusp of, of this great awakening. And it really is, it's a heart issue. And you know, I, I don't think that people are intentionally racist, but I think it is something that we experience because we live in a fallen world. And I do believe that the moment we turn our hearts back to God, that it's just going to just change our world completely. And so, um, you know, I just, I want to encourage the people who really just feel like they don't know what to do. Um, prayer is a great place to start. Get on your knees and just weep out and cry out for God to just heal our land and for peace over a very just hard situation and know that that's really what's going to change it. It's, there's not going to be any laws that can be passed that are going to stop racism. That's not how it works. If, if it was, it would have been done a long time ago. It's a hard issue. And I, I know that. And I think most people know that. But just, um, yeah, just bringing it back to God and just um, just really praying over, over our nation, over what's going on in our world. And um, I think that that's, that's a huge thing that can be done. Yeah. That was so, I just love what you said, that it's a heart issue. And Stephen Furtick said it's the sin, or maybe John Gray, but it's a sin of indifference. Mm -hmm. And that is a heart issue. So um, we're all going to go to work to be better and to do better, hopefully. But we don't, this is the beginning of this conversation. We don't want this conversation to stop. That's like worrisome to me. We want to continue this conversation. It's not just right now. It's not just this week. It's not just this month. Let's continue this conversation so that real change can happen. And I want to encourage that. I want to encourage you to not be scared to post on your social media platforms. You guys, even if, okay, like if you're too scared to do that, then you need to give to an organization. Yeah. If you're too scared to give to an, like, I mean, whatever, that's weird, but like sign petitions, vote the right way. But I want to encourage you to stand for them because you're showing like that shows or call them or text them. I stand for you. But like, if you're worried about what people comment and say, say, let's open this conversation up because let's be adult. So thank you, Jocelyn, for joining us. You guys, I'm going to be posting about her blog and all of the books that we mentioned and then also where you can give, there's lots of places where you can give. But the last thing I wanted to just say is, you know, I want to apologize to all of my friends of color, just for my own ignorance up until this point, I have always loved you, accepted you, and I've never felt 
like a part of the problem, but I also haven't felt like a part of the solution. And for that, I'm sorry. I want to listen and I want to do better. And I mean, hopefully this is just the start for our generations and on, there won't be an issue, but so I want to encourage you to just. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, please, you can find me on Instagram. It's J-O-S-L-Y-N-N-S, Jocelyn's S or my blog, which is lifewithflowers.blog. So I would love to talk to anyone or answer any questions as best I can and just have open dialogue. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Mayor. You're amazing. Oh, well, I just, God was just like, this needs to happen immediately. So I'm like, okay, Lord, let's just go. Let's go with this. And it feels, it just, I love hearing people's stories anyways. And I'm like, well, like, let's do the right thing. Like, let's stand up and do the right thing if that's all I can do. So thank you so much for sharing. And um, yeah, hope you guys share this podcast with anyone and everyone, all your white friends, and we can do better for our kiddos. So that's the best way, in my opinion, like after all of this, the podcast is called Leadership. Come on, like let's lead well in our families. And this is like the best place to start. So, all right, see you guys later. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. I love hearing from you guys. Tag me on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave me a review and tell us what you loved most about this podcast. Don't forget to send this episode to someone in your life who you know needs to hear this message. I love adding value to all of you. So thank you so much for listening and sharing. It means the world to me.